staple I would say of the Houston scene and we have a pleasure of having him in the Houston ensemble he's one of the founding members so we got him today we're gonna get into some shenanigans drink some of this beer and see how weird it gets talk about our sponsorship <laughs> oh yeah uh, so thank you eighth wonder brewery for some more delicious brew this time we're having some cougar paw red mm. ale. Uh, it's it's got that it's Oof. got that ferocious flavor to it. Yeah. So, Corey, we know you forgot your notebook of of amazing topics to discuss. So. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are well, we gonna do? What I'm an we... idiot. <laughs> yeah, I left it at home. So I guess we'll just talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> Let me, let me do one more piece of background so that you don't even have to say it. Corey Wilson is a saxophone player for his entire life, basically. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> plays all of them. Plays with us. Plays with everybody else. Yeah. He's going to talk about his history, the places he's been, the people he's played with, and then how that translates into life today yeah and uh, uh you know this because this guy ain't no slouch mm-hmm. he's toured all over the world you can catch him you can catch him like on the letterman show online and look that up so yeah let's do it let's talk about it okay well <clears throat> i remember the earliest memories i have of uh, music is playing this little keyboard that my mom got me and it was this little organ thing and I didn't know what I was doing and so it was kind of just like a waste like I didn't really know what I was doing and I always liked music but I, I can remember uh, in I think it was sixth grade that I just picked an elective you know and picked band and so and I just randomly picked the saxophone because my aunt just she said well I just think that's the coolest instrument in the world you know my aunt Kim and so I was like okay fuck it I'll thank you Kim play this. Thank yeah you, thank Kim. you aunt Kim um and I'll play the saxophone, and I, and then I, I first started out with a band director who he's just like, he wasn't very good. He didn't seem like he could connect with the kids, you know. Like, I was just kind of not interested in as much as I would like to be. So my mom told me, just wanted to stick it out and like play, play one more year, go to the next school. So in my when I was in middle school, I got uh, Joe Fralick, and if the, <clears throat> any horn players out there. Um, especially older guys, they'll know that name very well. Joe Fralick is a just a master woodwind woodwind guy. So he plays oboe, flute, clarinet, all the saxes, mm-hmm. you know, and he plays a little bit of brass and stuff too. But he was a really great educator, and he got me involved with, you know, my instrument. Really, you know, watching somebody like that play, and then um, I remember he turned me on to a couple of albums, you know, that were. Um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, which was really cool. You know, something I hadn't heard, like a real horn section. And then he gave me this uh, this uh, Sonny Rollins CD, and, like, I had never heard of any of these people. And I just, like, it, it was, like, a just the moment where just I understood, the, like, what this music is. And it's, like, mm. it's the first music I connected with on that level. And I just wanted to know how are they so free, mm. you know. And, like, when I heard Charlie Parker and he gave me these CDs, and I never returned them. I'm sorry, <clears throat> Joe. But um, but yeah, that was the moment where you know I was like, I gotta find out how they do this. How is this possible? How are they so free in the music? And it just sounds like freedom. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. like it really feels and sounds like freedom. And so anyway, you know, I played in high school and then I attended HSPBA, the Performing Arts High School, and that's where I really started playing. You know, in real bands. You know, in the combos and in the big bands and stuff. And then North Texas. Um, you went to University of North Texas yeah North Texas uh, and um, and that was a great experience and met a lot of great people and then um, when I um, when I came back to Houston it was um, I played in various bands you know with a with a friend of mine John Durbin a trumpet player 
who's uh, currently in the Suffers, and I and so some members of the Suffers and some of their original members. I was one of the original members, and then it became a ten piece over like the course of like six months mm-hmm. or a year, and then we started. Right, we were just a cover band, just trying to you know gig and play cool covers of like reggae and ska and like stuff like that and rock steady. And so, but we, then we started um, writing originals, and people at the shows were liking the originals a lot. And mm-hmm. so we just, it just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. rolled into, you know, years later and a lot of hard work and, you know, trying to push ourselves out there. And then we got, when we, we did uh, some tours, and when we got called for the Letterman show, that was like, you know, our big, mm-hmm. you know, thing. And it was like, that was a really cool experience. And we got to, tour uh with lake street dive and which is a really cool band if you've never heard them um, i would suggest to check them out because they're all they're just a quartet and all of them are so talented it's it's Mm. crazy crazy they're all um you know they can all play just any kind of you know any music perfectly like they're perfect they're a perfect band but anyway and then jimmy kimmel and you know the daily show with trevor noah and all those were just experiences from playing the saxophone you know so you did those as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they were great. Yeah, know. it was a lot of fun and uh, and so many different experiences, too, you know, in the tours, um, just going to just all over the place and, and, you know, all the different venues and festivals, so many festivals. Like, I, we probably played every festival that you could name, you know. What do you think was the, um, <clears throat> so it's like you going from being a cover band to just writing originals, what were like the key um i don't know what were the key events that led to the bigger events well um i would i'll I'll say that um the the way that we um took from um went from being just a local band in houston and then starting to do actual do tours and getting a name for ourselves out there and getting you know some, some some followers is that we didn't overplay our own city we would mm. try to we would try to take Whoa. the shows that were you know we would try to just wait a month or month and a half and really practice really for a show and make this show build it up build it up and then go play other places and when you come back everyone you know is like right. you know they don't overset don't don't over that actually takes discipline right Even yeah thinking about now you know if they can see like, if they can see it you know and it's different if you're playing you know different kinds of music but this was a you know like a like an actual, uh, you know, um, well, I don't know what to call it. It's like, act. yeah, it's like I mean, it's like a real act that yeah. you don't, you can't, you don't want to see it, you know, twice a week because, right. and you could, but you know, it's that's kind of the, at the point where we realize that if we do it like this, then people they they're like, I don't want to miss that next show, you know, right. and so you sell tickets and they sell out and, mm-hmm. and so anyway, that that was where, and then like the Letterman show, we had to. Um, Cause we had we had to get like uh, press you know agents and like you know publicists and like manager because a lot of these festivals they won't they will not they, they will not to. talk to you if you're a band you can't call the Letterman show like they yeah. right. you know you you have to have people so once we had all those people in place but we did a lot of that work you know I mean we did a lot yeah. of that work to get there but but yeah I mean and they yeah the it band worked like they they worked very hard for the Houston ensemble yeah yeah right exactly and we're getting there we're talking about new music already you know we're, we're, we're preparing that you know yeah let's do a let's do a quick plug for a, a, an important show yeah. that we're doing October 14th 7 to 10 30 p.m the Houston ensemble will be performing a live show at Axelrad beer garden. This is the first live concert that they're doing uh, for their reopening. So that's going to be a really great time. Mm-hmm. The band's going to be here. We're going to have, you know, two more folks with us. And uh, it's going to be an event. So we'll put the we'll put the details in the yeah. description. And Axelrad is, uh, I mean, personally, one of my favorite spots in town. It's one of the best. I mean, the vibe is just great. I yeah. mean, there's like dozens of hammocks in a huge yard. 
and spacious <coughs> yard. Spacious. It reminds me. It kind of reminds me of when you look at like birds' nests. Yeah. That they're the hanging kind. You know, it's like yeah. they're little pods, and you can yeah. like, climb in a pod and just zone out. I mean, I mean, once you get in those hammocks and you got that beer on you, and like the, a and slice the, of and, pizza. Yeah, the, you're done. Dude, you're in there. You're done for the night. You're like hell yeah. <laughs> this is like a good reason to come out. Yeah. Plus the dogs. And, yeah, yeah dogs, you can bring your dogs. You can bring your dogs. You can bring the kids. You know, it's yeah. like it's a cool. Yeah. It's a really cool place to, to for anybody to go. The lighting is really cool. They have the projector behind you. Huge oh, projector. Man. It's just a cool spot. Great it's, sound. It's great great yeah. sound. They have a great sound. Full crew. bar too. It's not just. Shouts a, out to Wonky <clears throat> Powers. Yeah, seriously. Because they uh, their sound crew like centered in Houston. I, I, they do all sorts of shows. They do all of. But those guys are really pro, and and I don't I don't remember a time I've sounded bad. Right. You know. Thank so. you to Mario and Luis yeah. from Wonky Power for having us. So hopefully see this. Yeah. Um. But that was just a little digression. Yeah. <laughs> we have to give the shouts about the Houston Ensemble. Yeah. So, what's it like, Corey, doing all that? I guess this is a good thing. This is a good topic for people who think like they have a odd image of what music is actually like you're not like you're on all the all the big late night shows as a band but you're not you know and this isn't like negative but like we're not you're not bill gates rich we're not usher right rich it's interesting because i think a lot of people will be like oh when you get to that point Mm -hmm. you're gonna be rich and famous that was really common for people to you know, at least when I was in the band, and I don't know exactly what money they make currently, you know. Sure. Because they have, like, eight members now, I think, and, um, you know, so two two less members or whatever, you know, is going to be, or maybe there's seven. Uh, and let me just clarify real quick, just to be super clear. It's not a slight on anybody, no. as I keep saying. It's just the reality of playing this kind of music. Well, yeah, That's what I'm getting fame at. Fame doesn't always equal riches, right? Yeah. And riches doesn't Not, always equal fame. Well, we would come back from a tour sometimes and, and the number one thing would just be like they they just like they they like they look at you like, you know, like you must be, you know, everything all all your stuff taken care of now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're on easy. This you're is on it. Easy you know, you're on easy. You made it and you're like no, I'm like I have to pay my rent. Like I'm trying to like we're yeah. trying we're all trying yeah. to like help each other figure out how we're gonna like pay our bills and shit. And so it's because touring you know, is expensive. It doesn't it doesn't work that way, you know. It just doesn't. And I was actually I was gonna talk about something, <clears throat> um, you know, all the music streaming apps and and stuff mm. like like Spotify and it's I've I've just been in a love hate relationship with the thing, and I'm sure you guys. I mean, I'd like you guys to talk I gotta, about it too. I got a bit for it, mm-hmm. but there was a, the the one thing besides the money. I'd like you guys to talk about like the money, the tier system, and the money like that you yeah. make or don't make. But the one thing before I forget was that one one thing that annoys me so much about Spotify and so many of these other um, apps is that when you open up a a song and you you know you're listening to it, you don't. There's no details in there. Mm-hmm. They don't. It's and it's to me. It's it's kind. It's a. It's more than annoying. It's like disrespectful. They don't have like the drummer listed. They don't have the bass oh, player sure. listed. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have the studio where it was recorded. They don't have the year. It was. It was. You know. And you all gotta, the old albums and all the old extra C- and, and even CDs. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying, the least they could do, you would think, for the is is to represent all the people on the on the. That's, it doesn't on the, ever, on the, it, the content should be there for you to look at. It doesn't ever feel like Spotify actually uh, respects the artist no what it yeah. feels like is is that they thought or whoever you know i'm not gonna name names or whatever but it, it just they thought well we're making a platform for you so just we be should grateful. be grateful right of course right and uh i was watching a podcast between um one of the lead members of tool mm. right tool used to be the main guy like the big like the biggest rock band like for a, for a few yeah, yeah, years yeah. Right. it was like the biggest rock band ever um in in like the, the mid 90s late 90s um and and he without mentioning any names uh, i was shocked that he actually talked about this because i feel like this is something you could get like in some serious crap over but he said that basically people think that people think that spotify is its own unit in the music industry and they think that the record label is kind of like 
Spotify has has kind of like is immune to the forces of the record label or like it's like Spotify separate. is a record it's label like, almost. The truth is, yeah, he said that Spotify has long ago sold out to the record labels mm. because the record labels all like immediately realize like, yo, if if their streaming service like works out for the artists really well, the artists won't really need us as much. Right. Right. So they they, they have to either be the same thing or or fight each other and one should win. Exactly. Right? So what the logical business move was is they said, "Listen, minimize your payout to the artists and in exchange you have you'll have a portion of our revenue." I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, I mean, you know, just what complicates this is the fact that so many more people today have the ability to make music unlike back in the day. Mm-hmm. Just the technology itself where everybody can be putting out music all the time, streaming, and it's like you kind of lose the need for a record, a record label per se. Yeah. Or honestly, at the end of the day, you don't need Spotify. It just makes it convenient to have everything in one place. It's With hard little... to say right now. Like, let's say somebody like, um, somebody like, well, let's just say Post Malone or Billy Eilish. So they have a total of like 50 plus billion streams. Mm-hmm. Billion. Yeah. You know what's hilarious about that? That's they're still not making a lot of money off of mm-hmm. the streams. They're right. making like a few million dollars off of billions of streams. But the main thing they're getting is the ability to book any gig ever. They can book any gig. That's a great point. They're not yep. no one's gonna say no to somebody who has over fifty billion streams. Dude. Yeah. <clears throat> so now does that legitimize Spotify? Does it mean that Spotify is necessary? I don't know. I'd say no. Because if the content is right, people will find it regardless. I believe it's something that's it's already there, and it was one of the first of its kind. And so it's like yeah. it's just it's too big to to fight. It's like yeah. something that. And what my point was like the least that they could do is update and put some fucking yeah, information no, I think that's on there. Cr- that's crazy because it's so disrespectful. That. And it, it almost like I just was thinking about it. I mean, I've been thinking about it for you know years but like just today it just got to me like it was like I, it was like they're just slapping people and the musicians in the like face it's like yeah. it's like you're already making all this money off of us basically yeah. making giving us nothing yeah. and then you won't even do that like you yeah. do not even care at all no, and my no, my no. good example of and that musicians, is I mean we could just like say no we don't want to we just start a new one or just... I don't even necessarily I don't even I, I wouldn't be surprised if like the CEO of Spotify doesn't even use Spotify I have a yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even listen to he music doesn't listen he doesn't to listen to music probably <laughs> he doesn't like music <laughs> I uh got I put an album on spot I put it everywhere honestly like I iTunes Spotify but um I just got a check the other day I saw like a little direct deposit and I looked at it and I was like, oh, $34. Mm-hmm. That's for like, pro- I don't know the exact number, but that's definitely for five-digit number of streams. I think close to like 50000 mm-hmm. Now, it's not a ton, but the amount of money that you put into recording it, mm-hmm. promoting it even, mm-hmm. art, well, your if instrument. You, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you equate 34 that, bucks, if you equate that to old, you know, back in the day when you just bought an album, you know, like... You can just tally up the exact amount of how much those albums cost because they couldn't hear it without it. And so that's, I mean, how much more money would you have had? And also, Queen would sell out, like, just for example, Queen, right? Or any band, like Van Halen. There's no Spotify back then. They'd sell out any show. Mm -hmm. They'd sell out any show. So what what Spotify has done is made itself relevant. They mm-hmm. made themselves necessary in a way by negotiation, mm-hmm. by doing deals behind the scene. And um, I mean, this is the world we live in where everything is just numbers on social media. I'm being told by my friend, like I have a good friend who's touring with Trace Atkins. Shouts out to Brent McCullough. And he told me that his bandmates who have been touring with Trace for like over a decade 
were losing their endorsements because they don't have a lot of followers. Oh, wow. So you're touring with one of the biggest country acts and you're losing your endorsements because you only have 2,000 followers. Yeah. And it's just getting so silly. That sounds right like now. a social credit score. It is a social credit score. This is our social credit score. Yeah. I knew it would come to this. We all knew it was going to this. Remember that one video that went viral um, of this dude, this nerdy dude with a gl- with glasses. He's just on this talk show. I forget his name, but he's like, yeah, social media has actually is actually destroying our social skills. It's destroying our social skills. Uh, yeah, it's replacing our happiness. Yeah, it's taking up too much of our time. And he was saying that over ten years ago, and we were like, yeah, oh. yeah. Social media, it'll be fine. Ten years ago. And now it's just common knowledge. Everyone's like, I hate Facebook, yeah. but I gotta use it. We're trapped. We're trapped. Especially like as art as anybody who's trying to promote anything. Yeah, that's that's the that's like, the most interesting point about it about social media and being an artist. The the, the, the connection between those is that we have to have it. We have to use yeah. it. We have to always be, you know, people have to be aware of what we're doing and where we're where we're gonna be you know content and just because they're not going to look many other places there's that's yeah. why every day we're posting but we have to here we're here we're there it's like god dang it's annoying to keep checking in it's it's annoying <laughs> let me put some positivity on it for a second mm-hmm. i'd rather be doing this though than anything else you know well, you mean, i like, enjoy i enjoy i enjoy myself city? Yeah, no, that's it's true. There are absolutely benefits to it. It's just like the long term, the long term dystopian outcome that yeah. we are foreseeing. That's the, like right now, this is the amount of technology that I'm happy with. That yeah. sounds kind of nuts, but I'm like, maybe we should stop. Yeah, uh, when when can we stop? When mm-hmm. can we stop? You know what though, <laughs> Jeremy Joseph, which is another local musician, that great, we're yeah, have great on, musician, great musician, singer, and pianist. Um, he made a good point, and I and I was think I always think of like the counter arguments to everything I believe, so mm-hmm. that I ch- just check myself. And he 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 kind of reaffirmed this idea, which is that you know right now it it might be that not so much as not so much that technology is is inherently bad for us. It's just that we're in an awkward point where it doesn't seem like technology is benefiting us that much, but. If it gets a little more advanced to the point, like, let's say you can walk into a, a, a general facility and it could give you like your your body stats, mm. like your health stats, because okay. it'd be so cheap that there's a there's a dark side to that, too. If you're running through machines that can tell you your health stats and everyone's healthy right. now. The other co- side of the coin is that well now all your biometric data is all yeah, over, yeah. Avail- accessible to any company. There's always the other side. Mm-hmm. Healthcare it's always might the get, danger. Yeah, healthcare might get super cheap. Nobody, even poverty, might not be so bad anymore. It's already right. getting there. Where like homeless people can still like. I can't say this with a thousand percent certainty because I'm not homeless, but it it's probably better to be homeless now than it was 200 years ago. Uh, yeah, most certainly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like things things do generally improve with society, with technology, but there's it's always another effect. And I and I, I would I would also just um, the the other side of that, you know, the technology, just like the physical. Uh, you know, technology is just like the the mental stress, and I think just like mm-hmm. the 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 physical, like uh, the psychological changes that are going on like throughout the world because of these these ma- these things that are made easy, these automation of everything, yeah, and and the instant you know knowing what everybody's doing all the time and all that, and I think it's just like it's odd, you know, it's odd yeah. to me. It's very odd to me because I'm, you know, I'm not that old, you know, and I've I've you know born in born in the 80s and you know like since then you know i've had i've seen basically a, an explosion in technology you know where before cell phones it's like it's only been this fraction of a second that there's mm-hmm. been just cell phones and like yeah. and social media and like you know Already internet stuff. and, it's, and just, it's only getting faster. and i just can't yeah i can't imagine how where it's gonna go but i feel like 
we all need to be able to step back from it. Like yeah. at times, you know, more often during the days and, you know. Do you want to make a point? Up, because I need to get this out of my chest. <laughs> no, you know, since we're on camera, I want to like, I want to make this prediction right now. Like, I, I've, even, I've envisioned it. I've dreamt of it. Um, social media 2.0. We're jacked. We're jacked in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's be and it's gonna get to the point like, look, right now you can literally get a nine to five virtual reality forum moderator job. You can get a nine to five virtual reality moderator job. You know what that means? Hmm. You put on your headset. Oh God. You go in a virtual chat room, and you just make sure everyone is having a good time. Whoa. And you get paid for that. So guess what? You wake up. You don't do a goddamn thing. You just jack in and you're there. Now, once this gets to the point where it's almost preferable to be there it than will, here. And it will be. And it will get there. No doubt. Yeah, I'm afraid that uh, it's just, it's just going to get insane. There was a movie that I thought, I mean, besides besides Black Mirror, I think Black Mirror does like an amazing job of illustrating some of the future outcomes. But there's a movie called Surrogates that came out a long time ago and a long time ago. Bruce it was like, Willis? I, Bruce Willis, I believe. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. something like that, where everybody in their home had a chair where you get strapped in and then it's sensory it's visual it's all yeah it's all sensory and uh, you go into a virtual reality and you can be whoever you want to be and they made it so visceral like people getting fat and people just in the chair atrophying away atrophying yeah just dying and then they don't want to come out and then they get so messed up as to what's real and like what their reality is and well you know that i think if you um if you step back and from from being the person like using that technology and then you look at the side of the people making that technology mm-hmm. and it's kind of to me it's like they always make something because they just because they can you know it's like yeah. it's not necessarily weighed whether it's mm-hmm. good or moral or whatever and so they want to and right. they can and they want to but see i always look at it like this is like uh, there's got there's a there's is there a reason can you somebody think of a reason why one person would want to put a bunch of people in la la land and you know not in those sort of, yeah i can think of ways you know reasons. reasons so anyway you know and i asked myself just when when you go back you know to you know the dawn of you know civilization and stuff and you come all the way all the way up to this point you know and then I just like I when I look at people, I'm mean, like, is this really where we're at? Like, is this yeah. really where you think that it should be? And then this overwhelming, overwhelming majority is just saying, uh huh, yeah, yeah. 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 What, what do you mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the great. What are you talking Kent, about? Duplantis. Why are we here? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, why can't we treat each other better than this? Why can't like, we treat like, each other better? Yeah. Like, why can't we take care of each other? Why can't we make everybody, you know? If there's some sort of, you know, I just. Is this really just just that question? Just that question. If you if the answer is that you think this is just yeah, it's just chance. Like that's just how it works. Then you're very confused, I think, and you're not asking yourself like any you question. You're not never asking really deliberated on the idea of why is this all we do? Yeah, is this all? Or never this had is some where sort we've of earth shattering experience yeah. that makes you think otherwise. Yeah. I mean. You guys probably have had a couple of earth-shattering experiences. You know, my earth-shattering experience, um, and and for the longest time, I just took this for granted as to be a, just a reality, just a common reality, until I realized it wasn't really a common reality. And this is relevant. So, <clears throat> like we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. there's the second war going on between Azerbaijan and Armenia. My parents were refugees of the first war in the early 90s. And, I, and my mother was pregnant with me when she, on foot, escaped from Georgia all the way to Sochi, Russia. Which is about 200 kilometers, I think, vaguely speaking. So a couple of trains were taken, a couple of odd taxis were taken, and a lot of foot travel. 
So she carried a bag of jewelry that she would use as money mm. to get through places, mm. bartering, because we didn't have money. Mm-hmm. And and I remember I was four years old, and we we they took my parents took me back to one of their homes in Georgia, and there were thousands of bullet holes in over oh, the walls. Wow, wow! Like if we had just indiscriminate shooting yeah, into these we houses, would just be, we'd be dead. If we'd stay <laughs> oh my there. God. And so now, and I think about that, and I think about like what it's made me realize in my life, and it's become you know painfully clear that. In America, we actually have the privilege of not going through these things. Yeah. We have a, the colossal privilege of oh, not I going think through about it. I think about it, you know, daily. Um, yeah. I think about alternate, you know, realities sometimes of what could be right now. Or a lot of times I'll drive, just earlier today, I'm driving along and I'm just looking over there and there's some buildings and some people. And I'm like, what was this, you know, a thousand years ago? And yeah. There were actually people here. Yeah. You know, and then we killed them all, and then now we're here, and, you know, and people don't, you know, they don't, I think there's this whole thing with the, the Black Lives Matter thing where it's like the the, the people want to tell people that it's just over, it's over. It's like, you know, that's all done. Slavery's over. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, it's it's only yesterday, and it was it's, yeah, there's, it was there's tons of, yeah. you know, problems have, going on. So it's like, you know, it's like the Native American people, like they're oh, yeah. going through I horrible think, you know, things as we speak. They're going through horrible, horrible they got treatment they right really now. Have. And now, of course, and then now, and you then, know, you know, since we're since we're on it, and it's just insane. Like, don't why would you think that this is like really our country? This is like a but then because of the state of affairs that we're in right now as a country, your experience is discounted because of who you are. Yeah, I mean, Literally. I mean, that's a, it's a funny thing you say that. Like most people look at me and they know that I'm not American, even though I've lost my accent over years. I had a pretty thick accent. It's the for, glasses. It's the, for a couple of years, like I had an accent, but uh, I lost it. I'd over say time. it's the beard. Yeah, it's the beard. The the you know the that's terrorist a... beard, as as a lot of people would say. <laughs> the terror it is. beard. Um. <clears throat> In my aesthetic choice is a personal <clears throat> matter, and I don't want to get into it, but... Um, it's my body. I'll, I'll put it to you this way, like... Um, I didn't... I don't necessarily want to go down this route, but I'll just put it to you this way. I've tried to kill my ego, mm-hmm. like... Like, every day I pretty much try to kill my ego, just a little bit by yeah. a small percentage but here's the weird thing the infrastructure of modern capitalist society is built such that if you're tapped into your ego you will be rewarded mm-hmm. oh yeah and that's where a lot of these biblical arguments come from which is like this is the devil's playground oh, it's like take more than yeah. what you need you know? yeah yeah if you take more than what you need you'll make be more rewarded. than what you need you'll make even more so it doesn't benefit in a modern society, capitalistic society, for you to be egoless. Well, it's like producti- productivity is just like another way of just saying money. Money, you know, exactly. and, it's, and it has nothing to do with actual growth of, exactly. of, of things that matter. So because the system actually awards ego-driven pursuits, when you try to become egoless, that's when yes. you get all this conflict and yes. depression yeah, and depression yeah. and all of a sudden everyone's like well why aren't you making a big ruckus why aren't you doing all these things to me if everybody just decided to look at each other like a human being which i think is totally possible if, if i can is. contemplate it and it doesn't seem like a far-fetched idea and you do it in your day-to-day interactions and you do it in your day-to-day interactions you don't look at anybody and and think anything other than you know, I'm going to go have a talk with that person and see what they're about. That's what you think. That's the only thing you think. That's the only thing you can really do. Mm-hmm. And then you make your decision based on based on reasonable actions that those people take, whether they're good or not. The actions, the mm-hmm. actions that they take. But it's not that. It can't be that in this world. Because how do you how do you market peace? You can't market peace in the capitalism. Yeah, right. that's not profitable. That was my two cents on that. 
I mean, well, uh, going back to what I was saying about uh, you know just the question of is this really just naturally where the world would be at this mm. point in time, you know, mm. and then you know you can say, well, I don't think so, and then so then well, then why not? And then who? who's responsible mm. i mean we're all a little responsible right but yeah. mm-hmm. you also you you know in the back of your mind that there are entities out there that are purposefully you know stopping you know real human you know pro- hey, let's progress go deep you know into, into yeah but that but that's what i'm saying and then we're yeah. going like well then well who would that be and it's like well, I would like to know who these people are, but just the uh, just the ad- admission is what I want from people. Just the admission that there's no fucking way that this is just the best we could, we could, we could have done at this no. by this point. And you know, there's no way. I thought a good. And thing. then is there somebody someone responsible? And there are some. There are people. There responsible are people there responsible, and they're doing it on purpose. And beyond that, this I was listening to a podcast yesterday by Float Universe. Um, check float universe out on instagram they were recently banned on instagram yeah that's a really interesting thing as to why um but they were asking him questions you know this is very conspiracy based for fun but at the same time it's you know very realistic and he said they said who runs the world and like we were saying just a minute ago he was like satan now satan is metaphorical but we're not talking like abrahamic satan the concept the concept the of Satan and he was like you thought I'd say world bankers but no it's Satan yeah. and um, that doesn't mean we're not able to like overcome that or get out of it but to be aware of it is what's really important and I don't that's think what I, that's what I that was my point you know it's just a lot of people we're not aware of it and everything is getting so muddied up today like everything that you hear is muddied and it's muddied on purpose and it's muddied to divide us because if we're divided that's easier to conquer you can you can you could think you know you could say that maybe you know let's say you know in the 60s or 70s you know uh, was it better back then was it less were people less confused during that time because they were Some being lied to then. So. They were being lied to then, but it was like there was just a lot less of it. There's a lot less information, you know, yeah, out there. There's so that's much true, yeah. but a lot of people, a lot of older people today, are like, it wasn't like this back then. Some people say it was like, for example, race relations were better. Like mm. there's a different vibe. I'm not saying they were. I'm not saying they were better, or they were worse, or anything. But I'm just going off of what other older people have said, and they're like. Because today it's weird. Today it's like the people in charge or the people who run the mind control system, they want everything to be like you're stepping on broken glass. Mm -hmm. Everything is a problem. When you're stepping on broken glass, you do not have a, uh, you do not have a sturdy footing in your life. Yeah. So you can be trapped you can be lifted off the ground you can be manipulated and then it affects our interactions and it affects your interactions people think that it's conspiratorial to talk about these things but i want to address the people that say this is a conspiracy look we're not i'm not over here saying that there's like one guy in charge of everything no right you know i'm saying that there's billionaires and there's trillionaires and and they need to create more wealth yeah what do you do to create more wealth? You start a ruckus of some sort. Yeah. You must start a ruckus of some sort. Somebody needs to be displaced. Somebody needs to be screwed over in the deal. And some power needs to be transferred to them. Right. And there's a variety of ways to that's do that. That's what wealth is, is power. Right? Yeah, it's a transfer it's of wealth. taking someone else's power. It can be done, and it, it, and it has. What, what did the biggest conquerors in our history do? slaughter millions Genghis mm-hmm. Khan was the best of them he mm-hmm. killed like his armies killed like the most amount of people do you some countries currently have killed the most amount of people mm-hmm. is it is it is it a coincidence that those are the countries with the most amount of wealth on this planet do you think that that is there's maybe a correlation there? Yeah. You know and I mean? you know, on top of that, Britain we choose to forget this, about it. You know, 
Well, we choose to forget That's about better. or we choose or to forget. turn a blind eye to, to the problems that are happening right now, especially, you know, like certain genocides that are happening in the Middle East right now or Far and Eastern Africa. Europe. Yeah, Africa as well. Like, there's shit going on right now, like craziness. And we're worried about here. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we should be because we should be to an extent because we are here and we have to take care of this environment but isn't that crazy isn't we're that going crazy? nuts isn't that crazy just the the just the idea that there's can just be a guy sitting in a diner with some toast yeah. and some sunny side eggs and then there's a blue sky and then it's the same fucking yes. planet and the same people same human race just across the ocean and there's people just being gutted in the streets like by the and you're like and yeah, that's a Bill Hicks. And then like that's bit. supposed to be okay. Oh yeah, Bill Hicks. That's where he's like, you know, you're like, you look at the news and it's TV war, <clears throat> famine, war, death, famine, war. And he's like, you look outside and like it's beautiful out. Yeah. And you're just doing your thing. And like even I watched a video where like I think it was uh, some sort of news documentary or something like that where they're in Syria and they're by all these bombed buildings, but down the street people are like at McDonald's like eating burgers. And it's like the juxtaposition of war and death and destruction next to mcdonald's mm, that's the ultimate image what or that's the ultimate <laughs> image. that's the ultimate image scary, of what we're dude. talking about right which is like right next to mcdonald's by the way it's not like mcdonald's was a native syrian restaurant no they had to destroy infrastructure to create a mcdonald's there yeah well, I mean, you can you, you can kind of like because especially I'll go back to the tour you know the tours we would do, and you know you drive in. I was the driver for most of the time, you know, and so because I come from a family of truck drivers, and I just I've driven trailers Good before. So anyway, um, but I I remember I'll say two things, uh, but it's just the amount of times that you pass some signs and you go to a small town, and then it's the same restaurants. And the same stores, and mm. the same stuff, mm. and everywhere everything's the same. And you can just go, okay. So thirty years ago, they were all mom and pop places, right? They're all mm -hmm. family owned places. They're all great. Why did why would they be taken over? You know, like why why would that happen? Corporate interest, right? But it's just the same problem that we're talking about. It's not productivity. That's not productivity no. at all. No. That's actually going, you know, the reverse of productivity. And it's like, so why would that happen? So the money has too much power. The money money itself has too much power. What's happened is that capitalism is an idea. And it's an idealist idea. Much mm -hmm. like communism was an idealist like, idea. Yeah, right. The difference is that in capitalism it's easier to mask the truth with money in communism suffering suffering was at your face in capitalism freedom is purchased and only and only and only like yeah. spe especially <clears throat> these days where you know if you can you can reach out to the world with your you know technology yeah. and for relatively cheaply yeah. and everybody's got it yeah. but you can still be you know dirt poor you and be, be suffering you can be but, so, you could you but you're you could be more depressed than a guy that's like poor overseas. That's, and I know that's oh. a cliche point, and I know people No, that's think, another thing, though. Well, so, oh, yeah, you really think that really poor people in the overseas are are less depressed than us? Yeah, fat chance. And it's like, well... Actually, like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I can tell you guys right now, when my life was simpler, mm. and just like a few years ago when I went back and like visited my old farm, I was like, dude, I would be way happier here. Yeah. Let me be honest, dude. I wouldn't have as much shit. Oh, yeah. No, just going out. You know, everybody has that experience. They just, yeah. you get out of the city, you just do something where there's not telephone poles and traffic and everything. And it's, you, you're, you start to become a human being again. And, and we it's create, just, we create these happy. problems. Because like like what we're going with this, it's like you go to these other countries, you go to Africa, or you you go to um, I'm not saying the cliche like Africa is this crazy third world country where they're just like less advanced or something like that, but you go to a more isolated part of Africa, for example, where 
they are preoccupied with survival and community. They don't have the problems we have. They don't have the sort. They don't have the sort of interpersonal problems that we have, but like the communication. Just an overload of. And, and they don't have the personal, mental problems that we have. I'm not saying they don't have any, but we've created a lot of things because we live yeah. in such an augmented yeah, society is that, here. Is is that something that would be true uh, to say? Is that just the more um, information and the more technology and the more requirements of you you know on a daily basis it's just like when is it gonna i mean obviously there's gonna be some kind of a breakdown at some point yeah you know? mo like money when, when will that be no problems more money, yeah more problems. um yeah uh more money more problems i was also thinking um there's a evolutionary biologist that made this point and and he, and he said it and it and it really like it struck me because evolutionary biologist, you said? Yeah. And he made this point which is that and and this is this is very this is very controversial, but it really shouldn't be. And really the controversy from the statement really stems from the interests involved and you, it'll make sense in a second what I'm saying. So he said that you know, people always say what we just said like Poor people actually seem to be generally happier in some cases in overseas, you know, with less material. Why is and 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 Chad just said this is because they're actually having to socialize with each other. They're socializing. They're solving problems with each other. They're helping each other. They they relate to each other. There's more connection. There's more connection. And he says that is the that right there is the key to why depression has skyrocketed in the modern world. Mm -hmm. Is that we have actually taken from our lives or suppressed from our lives our natural inclination to socialize and to problem solve together. Well, I think that these days it's it this I think it's this social we think that we're socializing with people online and it's like we're really it's like a just such a watered down version it's of a it watered and, down it's, and there's and there's and there's just the the quantity is times a thousand and then the quality mm-hmm. is like minus a thousand it's like the and difference between watching a live show on youtube and yeah. going to a live show there's yeah, 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 no yeah. exactly there's no, there's no comparison and they're just simply more worried about surviving because we live in a gluttonous, yeah. oversaturated society, yeah. you know, where we can have all all this stuff easy. Yeah. You got to work for it. Yeah. But at the same time, we have plenty and they don't. And sometimes, you know, not having more is good. Actually, usually it is. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find the balance. Yeah, I'm going to throw my phone away after this, <sighs> after this podcast and I'm going to... Keep my saxophone, throw away my computer. And eventually, like we said, I think we said it in another podcast there, or maybe we said it, you know, just privately speaking, there's going to be a point where you're going to have to make some decision to be in or out. I really think that we're going to come to a point soon, which I'm scared about soon, where you're going to have to make this one particular or a couple particular decisions that's going to keep you in society or out of society. And my first example of what that might be is if they were to roll out a COVID-19 mandatory vaccine for everybody. And I'm not saying this as somebody who's quote unquote anti-vaccine, but when you look at everything, you look at the history of vaccines, all this sort of stuff. And we're just using this example. I'm not getting it tomorrow. I'm not getting it in a year either. One, because I don't think we need it because of the illness. And two, why does that have to be the ultimatum to allow you to travel or to allow you to go to work or to allow you to go to school? So I'm worried about that crossroads that we're about to hit.
Well, like we had Dr. Verone here the other day, and and and, and he said it right. He yeah. just said it like blank, like straight up. He's like, dude, it takes years to make any vaccine. good vaccine. Spe- oh, yeah. Specifically, I'm, I don't believe. Yeah, and and Trump was just telling all the people, right? And he's like, you know, it'll be out in November, and it's, well, he I'm just made say, it out completely. He's say that because, they're, they're, but anyway, point it, not to talk about Trump, not but to talk about Trump, but the, the, the but there's no way that a vaccine could be ready by then. No way, and. Man, it's like I mean, was it Paul? Paul, when we were uh, at a uh, at Eighth Wonder, remember? And uh, yeah, Paul, the last time, and Paul was there, and he said he got one of the vaccines already, mm. <laughs> a test for I real. Remember that? Whoa. Yeah, he's currently injected with one of the vaccines, and he was like, "I hope it's not a placebo." Oh. You know? I hope it actually works. And I was like, I, "Me too." That's Paul. why he wasn't wearing his mask. <laughs> I really do. Like a cowboy. Yeah. Well, shout out to Paul Small. And, uh, Paul Small. What, I forgot. Oh. There's a point I was gonna make that I thought was important, and apparently not that important because I forgot. But I was gonna say that that humans of the world, please, please acknowledge, understand, realize that 99% of the conflicts that you may have with your neighbor or that random guy online, you were incepted with the the belief that you need to argue over this you were you were you were you were programmed subliminally indirectly through media or some form of fashion to have this ludicrous argument with someone that you don't know that you don't know who might actually be a loving father a loving mother a loving person a great individual that you think because of something you read from a media outlet needs to be terrorized needs to be demonized and if if we if we if we really come to this realization it's such such an easy thing to understand like we we can finally make a change and the first change is that that's required is the way that information flows I do not think we actually have free information in this country. I think it's blatantly obvious that it's that what we read is being systematically controlled. And it is no longer a conspiracy. It hasn't been a conspiracy for over a decade that the Pentagon controls virtually all forms of public media that goes in and out of televisions. They have colossal data centers, one of which is in Utah, where it's they're just supercomputers that store all public data. Yeah, and and well, the theory that the theory that if if you own any kind of you know a phone computer anything with a mic on it and uh, you know Siri and mm-hmm. uh, what is Alexa and all the different what's the new one? Looks like a new one. I don't know. I don't remember. Same kind of thing, but. All of them are just like having a guy standing in your room Basically. with a fuck with a notebook and just writing down every single thing you say, yeah. and all of it gets processed and stored, and then it gets fed to the Pentagon. And what's annoying is that or AI. the highest bidder or whatever, and then you Company think that and, you, and then all we think that we can get any you know um, truth out of out of exactly. that. That, that that manipulated no. to whatever its advantage. There's you know? no truth in that. And and I I think I think like because we've had this discussion before and it's um, I don't think it'll ever change until we can separate like either turn just turn all the mics off like we we, we can't have that happening or just leaving our phones out of conversations like put them in a bag mm-hmm. and a sound you know put them somewhere where they are muffled and. And then have your conversations. Like, don't, and, don't even. I just, yeah. Are there mics like everywhere? Like, well, who knows? Probably who knows? so, honestly. And you know what? You but we could have them in our hands. The sad thing is, everybody realizes this too because everybody talks about the weird ads they get about what they just talked about. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So everybody knows. Oh, yeah. Don't turn a blind eye to it. Yeah, it's not something you clicked on or any That's of that. It's, you just spoke about I'm it, seeing, and then it shows up. I'm seeing a ubiquitous turning. Of the blind eye. And let me go further with that. Why is it when I criticize the government or when I post something, you know, occasionally that points out 
a, a flaw in their narrative, people get on me for about it. They're like, well, especially regarding the virus, they're like, they can't know everything. And I'm like, oh, so now you want to believe everything they say. You want to really yeah, believe everything they say. Yet, just the other day, you were talking about how much they lie, all the bills that have been bad. Like, are you serious? Just because it's a sickness doesn't mean you should actually be more, uh, more scrupulous in this current time yeah, absolutely. because of how global this thing is. Yeah. Well, that's so, what I mean. That's so. what's happening right now. It's like we're demonizing each other for something that we personally don't even know inherently is true. Like, I, I, I understand, like, conceding to mm-hmm. an expert. Right. I understand that. Like, if somebody doesn't know a, a damn thing about, you know, playing guitar, and they're going to tell me about playing mm-hmm. guitar, I'm going to be like, yo, no. But that's this is a different thing. We acknowledged years ago that there's, a, that there's, that there's propaganda in this country, systemic propaganda mm-hmm. of, of various sorts. And we know that, and it's like almost common knowledge. And yet, we will we will blast each other online over right. an article. Right. It's hilarious. We will do whatever makes us feel good or what goes with what makes us feel good. Yeah. And right now, if you go against the <clears throat> grain, specifically regarding <clears throat> the virus, if you say anything, not nothing crazy, not, oh, it, I'm not talking about it, it's fake or don't wear a mask or anything like that. I'm talking about if you point out a government official who lied they'll they'll defend them they'll say that's weird that's weird well that's why that's would a, we defend lying that's a deliberate lying that's a that's a uh, phenomenon called uh, the what about you know where you you'll call somebody out on something and it's just a logic it's one another logical fallacy you know there's and i don't know how people can't just like recognize a logical fallacy when they hear one right because there's no way to have a discussion with somebody if they just gonna they're gonna keep using the same over and over. They operate on a totally different logic. But, the, but, but they say the what about you know you, you tell somebody, well you know um, you know he he uh, some policy or something that somebody creates and then they say well this guy but that, but what about that guy he did that you know your guy did that and you right. go what, about what does that have to do with red this herring. guy red, yeah 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 the red yeah, that, yeah the red herring. And, it's and, insane. And it's like so. So the confusion. I'll go back to the confusing confusion. It's kind of like we're in a state right now that we have the ability to talk to everybody, but the inability to trust any of it. Mm. And then what yeah. we have also is the inability, the, the ability to to talk about any topic, but certain parts of those topics are n- not up yes. for discussion, and that's just crazy to me. Like, I mean. Like, and I, I don't want to go into the Black Lives Matter movement again because I support the Black Lives Matter big time, you know. But I was having this conversation with one of my black friends, and, you know, I was saying, because, you know, not all black people believe all, you know, the exact same way about the movement. You know, they have differences, you know, they're mm-hmm. varying degrees of whatever. They do. And so, you know, my neighbor, he's, uh, we came up with the with the with the idea that, it's never okay, you know, obviously, and, and I think that they are mistreating blacks because of the color of their skin, and that's, that is happening. But there's something about, like, that, but you can't talk about any kind of, some, some, like a... You like can't the, talk about a caveat? Right, like a, for instance, like resisting arrest just in general. Yeah, right. Like, right. you know, he, he, he was saying, like, you know, that's why we have judges, and that's why we have cops, like, is... I I don't get to decide if I want to be going to jail tonight or not. Thank you. That's the point. And that's the whole point, Thank you know. You. So, but that's a logical thing to bring up. But then there are some people who would say, you're that's, demonized "Yeah, right. you're they're going to demonize you, saying, well, you're you don't support the Black Lives Matter,' and that's not at all what I'm saying. But if you if you're if I was going to get arrested, I'm not going to resist. Ultimatums. And that's just because because then that's giving the that's giving the power to just any citizen to say I don't feel like going to jail tonight and so I'm not gonna right and then that's what a judge is for you because that's what that's the process and thankfully and that's all I'm saying and it has nothing to do with all the real shit that's happened with exactly. guys getting shot in the back and you know which is horrible which, and wrong just real quick to go with that thankfully majority of the time for normal stuff justice is served. 
Actually, I'm, yeah, man. I'm not talking about elites. I'm not talking about politics. People who dance away from. Yeah, there's a lot of crime. not justice served the up there. But I'm talking day to day. George Floyd cop, you know, mm-hmm. indicted. Boom. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, that's we got it. We got what we wanted. You know, there's that new footage of George, right? I don't know but how Breonna from, Taylor, from the body cam. That's a different story, though. Right. And there's, there's muddied waters. I know, I know it's muddy, but uh, but it's still, I, I believe, I think it's certain. What was I saying? There's, confirma- there's so many psychological factors that are in play. There's confirmation bias. There's the desire to be part of a group. The yeah. herd mentality. Just the, yeah, tribalism. There's tribalism. There's your... Um, psychological pain of having to face a different idea mm. right there's there's a pain involved in that yeah. that you suffer from when someone tells you something you don't agree with or it might make you feel wrong yeah the cognitive dissonance is cognitive dissonance. Is the term, yeah. yeah um so this has to do with emotional intelligence which is something that we haven't really emphasized or really talked about in our society not even in schools which is which yeah. is somewhere you'd expect emotional intelligence to be discussed because man man we're social beings the mo- some of the most incredible things we've achieved as a race has been because of our social skills and social mm-hmm. adaptations like as musicians and virtually any field just take this for example if you're an awkward person you're gonna have a rough time in our society i mean you can like yeah. sit at home and like day trade all day you can do that you know and or you can be prolific and yeah there are places where you you can be prolific and all and you're a lot of just the interactions in society yeah but you're gonna have to at some point interact with somebody dude and and it's only gonna deter you to have poor moral intelligence so here we have all this technology all this new toys to play with but we don't have the necessarily like very good moral compass or moral judgment intelligence to know what to do with it that's where the question comes from why does it seem like today if we wanted to we could have a sustainable energy grid right today we could do that our food for everybody today if we wanted to we could wipe out poverty yeah it's crazy it's insane I just like playing the saxophone. Yeah. I'm just gonna so throw we're that gonna, in there. We're gonna keep playing music. We got gigs tonight. Obviously, it's not gonna be out in time. That's to plug that's, them. that's actually just what I'm most grateful for these yeah. days is just and just being able to like play in venues that kind of still respect the you know the the pandemic and stuff. And it's like they've got a respect for it, but they also have they're also realistic about it. Right. And you know that's why I'm thankful to be in Houston right now because right. other cities. It's and we can and we just go military. and get to just check out, yeah, of all this mess for a few hours a day, and I just really like that. And I think everybody needs something like that. I think I think the arts Find is your arts, passion, something Everybody's something an artistic. Everybody something an artist, and that that goes that. goes along with the emotional, you know, intelligence is like you know. We we built you build that up by expressing things that you know can't be expressed yeah. in other ways. When when then our politicians disappear, when our government buildings disappear, what we are left with is our creative imprint that the society made, and the influences that the society made artistically. We don't talk about all the political drama that went about in Rome, dude. In ancient Rome, we right. talk about the architecture. We talk about the paintings. We yeah. Talk about, oh, that's a beautiful talk, point. You know, we talk yeah. about the music, and, and and we'll talk about the politics later. We'll talk about the politics later. The politics is boring. The politics mm-hmm. is we already know what's going on. Somebody's trying to beat the other guy. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Brilliant that's crazy. Uh, endeavor, whatever. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it just seems so unimportant. It's just when really when, just when you yeah when you look at like to the deeper things in yeah. in life and. The, the experiences that people people share yeah. with each other and, absolutely and it's that's yeah that's why i appreciate playing being able to play music it's i you know i'm very very grateful for for having us in my plugs, life huh? what plugs a lot of music coming up yeah. last plug october 14th 7 to 10 30 p.m avant garden with the houston ensemble 
Wait, and, October 14th, Axel Axelrad. I'm sorry, Axel not Avant Axelrad. 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 What street is that on? That's on um, Alabama. It's Alabama, and, and what's the name of that other street? I forgot. Who knows? Axelrad. Yeah, yeah. Details are in the description. Every Wednesday at Brazil on Dunlavey in Montrose from 8 to 10 p.m. You can see live jazz there. Every Tuesday, Live Jazz Tuesdays at Mercantile Coffee Shop on Stanford Street from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, we've got more. You'll yeah. see it. Follow us on the social media mm-hmm. at Houston Ensemble, Twitter, Facebook. And also we encourage Instagram musicians to come out. Like, Let us know you want to come out. If you want to play, let us know. We'd mm-hmm. love to give you the opportunity to come back into the scene. There's a like a, a lot of great musicians that are, are not gigging. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's a lot of great musicians really, that really are great not musicians. Amazing. And also, just uh, lately, you know, the um, if you if you follow us on Houston Ensemble, um, we've been trying to take requests. You know, so to to you know kind of broaden our our base. You know, and just and learn some new stuff. And uh, you know, we may get to it, we may not, but like. Please send us requests, you know, so yeah. we can learn new music and play it for you. In the future, just to just to give our followers some heads up about w- where we might take this uh, podcast, we want when we're having musicians, we want to actually have per- perhaps in the future have a music portion of the podcast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is something we didn't get to do today. But I'm sure it, it, it reminds me of Tiny Desk. It's kind of like a, a yeah, mix of that desk. is kind of yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, something like that. that would be really Absolutely. cool. Because we can have tons, yeah, we can have tons yeah. of different musicians, and they I'm could talk about their. We're gonna have Jeremy Joseph on next one, and then um, a couple other individuals, some DJs. Perhaps. We've got we've got stuff lined up. We got stuff lined up. So so you know, do give us suggestions about how we can improve our platform. Comment, let us know what we can do better. Suggestions for topics. Please remember subscribe at Houston Ensemble on all socials at Houston Ensemble. And hit that little bell notification because it's so important to have these conversations right now more than ever. We're the Houston Ensemble. We want to encourage free thought and support the creative arts. That is our mission statement. So thank you so much, everybody. And on three, one, two, three.